Upon a star, but that will only get you so far. If your content sucks, your fans won't come to you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Geeks Crossing. My name is Matt, and welcome to my intervention. Corporations can have interventions, right? So let's all take a seat and have a stern conversation with the House of Mouse. It's all fun and games, haha, Disney sucks nowadays, yada yada yada, you've heard it all before, but really, take a look back and just see how bad the company had it in 2023. Yes, prior years have sucked, and 2023's level of suckage was certainly at least hinted by 2022, when Disney released such forgettable flops as Lightyear, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Strange World wasted their time and effort getting into petty disputes over Florida politics, and overall lost somewhere in the ballpark of $120 billion. Yes, billion with a B. Plus, this downfall didn't occur in a vacuum, and there's hours of discussion that can be had in analyzing Disney's less-than-stable movies of the late 2010s and early 2020s. Encanto, Frozen 2, Moana, Zootopia, and Wreck-It Ralph 2 all have writing issues ranging from passable to unforgiving. Take a wild guess which of those five movies has unforgivably bad writing. But 2023 has been one of the most outright, unmatched, atrocious years for the Disney Corporation. Worse than 2022, and worse than other eras of Disney history like the World War II drought of the 1940s, the animated classicless period of time following Walt's death in the 1970s and early 1980s, and even the end of the Disney Renaissance in the 2000s. Because even in those times of turmoil, there was still ample reason to be excited about what Disney was cooking up. The 1940s were rough, but a happy, eager Walt Disney was still at the helm, cooking up new movie ideas and even a theme park. The 1970s and 1980s were harder after Walt's passing, but the opening and expansion of Walt Disney World was an arousing, exciting success. And even the 2000s saw Disney working closer with Pixar, preparing to jumpstart the MCU, and experimenting with its own CGI ahead of Tangled, which would arguably birth another, much shorter Disney renaissance in the early 2010s. But looking at 2023, and looking at the lessons that Disney's choosing to take away from it, or in many cases, not take away from it, it doesn't seem like there's anything about which to be hopeful when it comes to the future of this company. As I take you through Disney's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year, I hope you start to realize just how many flops and failures this company crapped out in 2023, and I hope it also stings just slightly when you realize that 2023 was Disney's big 100th anniversary. What should have been a time of celebrating Disney's past, present, and future has only resulted in nostalgia for the past, disgust at the present, and concern for the future. What should have been Disney's best year ever was, in my opinion, its absolute worst. Big shout out to the YouTuber Movie Cynic, who did a video on the state of Disney around halfway through 2023, giving me the idea. I wanted to see if the year would get any worse, and it totally did. I should also shout out the YouTuber Zeepsterd, who made a video with this exact thesis, as well as LS Mark, who also talked about Disney's worst year ever. I think he placed a little too much blame on the writer and actor strikes, though, because there were no such strikes in 2022, and we've already discussed Disney's horrible output from that year. I've had this idea since the summer, though, and frankly, I don't think 2023 really sucked for Disney is a very difficult hypothesis for multiple people to come up with, since 
Disney's garbage fire has been incredibly apparent all year. So let's go through each tendril of the tentacled monster that is Disney and see if there are any limbs that have proven themselves worthwhile in 2023. How about Marvel? That's a joke. After a conveyor belt of turds in 2021 and 2022, Marvel decided to cut Phase 4 with Black Panther 2 and start Phase 5 at the beginning of this year. The idea was that, with a new name, audiences might not associate these films with the crappy reputation of Phase 4. Let's just say that slapping a new coat of paint on Phase 4 and calling it Phase 5 does not automatically remove the writing and directing problems. Ant-Man 3 Quantumania is currently the lowest rated MCU movie on Rotten Tomatoes, which has cut films like Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder some slack, so you know it's a bad sign if Rotten Tomatoes isn't even going along with the game anymore. Quantumania had a messy, broken plot that, much like those other two movies, completely dropped the ball in terms of its characters, its world building, its writing, all just so, so terrible. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 admittedly provided the best MCU experience in Spider-Man No Way Home, but that was almost certainly the result of James Gunn. He knows those characters. And plus, it didn't blow anyone away opening weekend with its box office numbers. The film had a decent number of issues in my opinion with writing, pacing, and characterization. Nothing even approaching Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, Ant-Man 3, but still. Could have used some more fine-tuning, that's for sure. And then Disney delayed the Marvels following the horrible critical and box office response to Ant-Man 3, pushing the film back from summer 2023 to November 2023 in the desperate hope that that would do anything to help. Maybe they were hoping audiences would just forget how much they hated Ant-Man 3? No, because when asked to see a movie starring a character from a Disney Plus show, a side character from Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel herself, the first movie was always seen as pretty mediocre and only made a billion dollars because it came out in between Infinity War and Endgame, audiences replied, no thank you. The Marvels currently has the worst opening numbers of any MCU movie to date, though with the direction the MCU is taking, I'm sure it'll be dethroned at some point. In between these big screen flops were some small screen flops. Secret Invasion dropped on Disney Plus summer 2023, following a nearly year-long hiatus on Disney Plus Marvel shows. I guess Disney realized just how badly they were doing with audiences and critics alike. Secret Invasion, though, dropped to little fanfare, and I mean that quite literally, not drumming up any attention whatsoever and earning itself the second least viewed Marvel premiere, second only to Miss Marvel from 2022. And I'm sorry, but if you can't beat She-Hulk's viewing numbers, you're doing something horribly wrong. And though I haven't seen either, and likely never will, I've heard that Nick Fury's characterization isn't the same in Secret Invasion and the Marvels, which seems insanely difficult to screw up considering they came out within a few months of each other, but whatever. The higher-ups at Disney were probably hoping that Loki's long-awaited Season 2 would reignite a passion from the earlier days of Phase 4. But the season generated little buzz, little hype, and pitiful viewing numbers. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Loki's second season was seen by about 39% less people than its first. That's not half of the initial audience jumping ship, but that's close to half. So, long story short, the MCU had a terrible year. How about Lucasfilm? How did Lucasfilm do? Just as bad. Though they dropped much fewer smelly turds, they were still smelly. First came The Mandalorian's third season, which managed to turn off the people who still stuck around after its polarizing second season. The Mandalorian was once a beacon for quality, small-scale Star Wars content following the catastrophe that was the sequel trilogy. It was one of the big exclusives when Disney Plus first launched, and was one of the must-watch shows of 2019. Now it's been reduced to The Mandalorian himself becoming a second-tier character in his own show, and quote-unquote highlights consisting of Jack Black and Lizzo playing a married couple. Though The Mandalorian has been greenlit for a fourth season, 
I'm sure both its writing and its viewing numbers will be terrible. As for Ahsoka, I didn't watch it, which is weird because I liked Star Wars Rebels just fine, and it features a lot of characters from that, but I basically quit Star Wars content cold turkey halfway through Kenobi the straw that broke the camel's back. So not even the return of a Clone Wars character was enough to get me back. I've heard very mixed things, though, when anyone talks about the show at all, much like Secret Invasion and Loki's second season. Ahsoka kind of flew under the radar. <laughs> but 2023 also saw a return to Lucasfilm's other household name, Indiana Jones. In June 2023, we were graced with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which Luke Skywalkered Indiana Jones by turning him into a pitiful, doddering old shut-in who must be rescued by a hip, cool, young, new, quippy sidekick. I hate that I can use Luke Skywalker as a verb, and a lot of you Star Wars geeks out there will know exactly what I mean just from the context of that sentence. But yeah, unsurprisingly, the movie did horribly and failed to make its money back. So that's Marvel and Lucasfilm both bombing, producing only one, one actually successful project between the two of them with the third Guardians movie. Good for Marvel, I guess. How about Pixar? Even in times where Disney has been mediocre and barely above water, Pixar has still delivered really high quality films, getting Disney through the 2000s and just recently pumping out such genuinely good films as Soul and Luca. Then again, they follow those movies up with Turning Red and Lightyear. So, how was Elemental? Eh, I liked it. Probably not as much as I liked Soul and Luca, but definitely not as much as I disliked Turning Red and Lightyear uh, right in the middle. It was a cute, fun movie, and had I had no issue watching it twice. But I was in the minority, as it had the lowest opening of any Pixar movie to date, and bombed domestically. Thankfully for Elemental, foreign audiences were more interested in this plucky love story, and the film made its money back. But the fact that American audiences simply shrugged their shoulders at a Pixar movie is nothing to celebrate. Then, of course, we had the unfortunately predictable continuation of crappy live-action remakes in 2023. Disney subjected us to Peter Pan and Wendy and The Little Mermaid, both utterly trite. Be honest, you completely forgot about Peter Pan and Wendy if you had ever even heard of it at all. Still, it took $170 million to make, more money than you or I will ever see in our lifetimes just for some minor nostalgia bait, and it was panned. <laughs> panned. No pun intended. The Little Mermaid probably sought to coast off of the various controversies in development, that was another unintentional pun by the way, but though it made its money back, it was also panned, and no one will remember it. Though that's saying the same thing as live-action Aladdin or live-action Mulan, so it's not saying much. I really truly don't know why Disney still makes these things. They're this generation's crappy straight-to-VHS sequels, but I guess they've got every right to if they want. Not sure whether to call Haunted Mansion a live-action remake, because I didn't even realize there was a Haunted Mansion movie already. Disney occasionally tries to strike the same gold that struck with Pirates of the Caribbean, turning a theme park attraction into a genuine cinematic success story, but just ask Jungle Cruise how that went. <laughs> You forgot about that movie too. Haunted Mansion was derided by both critics and audiences and barely made any money, having the worst opening of a Disney movie all year. That takes a special kind of awful. Then again, I don't know what inspired them to release the movie in August instead of October when they probably would have made more money. Maybe they wanted to spare themselves the embarrassment of playing second fiddle to Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> Imagine that. No one talking about Disney's Haunted Mansion because it came at the heels of other movies. I'm sure they're far more grateful they put out a mediocre theme park adaptation the week after Barbenheimer. <laughs> and that brings us to Wish. I wanted to give Wish a fighting chance, so I held off on making this episode until the film came out. I genuinely wondered if it might do well, since the marketing was way better than that of Strange World, plus there was a princess-adjacent main character, plus it promised to be a celebration of 100 years of Disney, 
But it ended up being a total snooze fest. The songs were pretty forgettable, the plot was dumb, and the writing was just awful. You can go hear me, Eric, and Lily talk about it in its entirety, because I don't feel like delving any more time into Wish. And guess what? Neither did critics or audiences. A movie's opening weekend is almost always its biggest, and Wish floundered. This will be nobody's favorite Disney movie, and it's a far cry from the 100th anniversary Walt and Roy Disney deserved. Then there's Disney+, Plus, still bleeding money after all these years. People are unsubscribing in droves and drivel like Ahsoka, Loki, the unnecessarily controversial Proud Family reboot, and the beyond disappointing animated Diary of Wimpy Kid movies aren't exactly drawing in new customers. Disney's even made me lose hope in the Muppets. Throughout the 2010s, that had been one of my favorite quirky little Disney IPs, certainly the most underrated, with two great movies and a pretty solid ABC series. But after Muppets Now and Muppets Haunted Mansion, I've really lost faith in the direction of the Jim Henson's gang of critters. The careless recasting of Kermit the Frog was probably a major warning sign that Disney didn't care about the Muppets in the slightest. So even though a new Muppets project came out this year, Muppets Mayhem, I didn't watch it. I'm sure it matched Muppets Now and Muppets Haunted Mansion in mediocrity. What's the point? If Disney doesn't care about the Muppets, why should I? It's like Star Wars. Having the original trilogy will only get you so far in public graces. Once you keep making crap, folks like me stop watching. Same with the MCU. I swallowed WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier because the MCU had established itself as such high caliber thanks to the first three phases. But then crap just became the norm. So I, along with millions of others, tuned out. Disney has got to switch gears and fast. Let's talk about how they do that and about if I think they will. I've just listed the symptoms, and now it's time for a diagnosis. Why are these projects turning off so many people? Regardless of what Stephen King says on Twitter, we know it's not sexism or racism, because nobody liked Ant-Man 3, or The Dial of Destiny, or The Muppets, and a couple of years ago, the biggest Disney hits, giving people hope for the brand, were films like Moana and Frozen and Encanto, with strong, diverse female leads. So it's clear that this wave of dismissal, moviegoers are just bigots, hasn't worked out so well, and I don't think it's going to work well going forward. I think the problem is that Disney doesn't care about telling good stories anymore. They care about nostalgia baiting. Honestly, not even that so much, because they just bastardize nostalgia. Walt Disney would often spend recklessly, to the chagrin of his more financially shrewd brother Roy, but he had a really good read on the average American, and so things like full-length animated movies and family-friendly theme parks paid off immediately. High risk, high reward, and vindicated by the sands of time. Modern Disney seems to shovel millions into high risk, low reward products. Peter Pan and Wendy was never going to blow up. Why pour $170 million into it? By this year, it has become apparent that Disney seems to only want 20th Century Fox so we can get the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. So was that deal really worth $70 billion? Disney thinks it's too big to fail. The question is, will they realize how wrong they are? My gut says no. Because their strategy doesn't seem to be canceling and reworking unworkable ideas and making more inexpensive products, the strategy in which Netflix has found some success recently. Instead, Disney's strategy has been to space out and delay its crappy products, rather than just reworking them or cutting their losses. Ant-Man 3 was clearly rewritten and reshot to hell and back. Same to the Marvels, and I already highlighted how Disney ended up frantically delaying that movie by three months in the hopes that a mediocre superhero movie featuring unpopular or unknown characters, a movie that would have bombed in July, somehow miraculously wouldn't bomb in November. Even more egregious is the upcoming live-action Snow White. Rachel Ziegler, the actress playing Snow White, openly hates the original movie and the original character, saying as much in nearly every interview. This has showered what was sure to be a mediocre movie at best with a ton of criticism and controversy, as fair-minded Americans argue that maybe, just maybe, a half-assed remake shouldn't 
openly crap all over its beloved predecessor and one of the most popular and iconic animated movies of all time. Disney's response to all this criticism? Was it to abandon this foolish project? Maybe recast the role of Snow White with someone who doesn't, you know, openly hate Snow White? No, Disney's master decision was to push the movie's release date from spring 2024 to spring 2025. It's the business equivalent of shoving a Mickey Mouse band-aid on a massive bloody wound. But now Snow White will be a slow-moving car wreck, one we can see from miles away. Actually, a more apt comparison would be someone speeding down a freeway, refusing to heed warnings that they're going to get themselves into a car accident, and opting instead to just slow down for the next mile or so before speeding up again. So, I don't think Disney's going to learn its lesson, and who knows? 2024 could be just as bad as 2023, though I somehow doubt it. The writers and actors strikes from this year delayed a lot of Disney productions, so 2024 probably won't have as many turds, not because their movies and shows aren't turds, but simply because the studio will have less opportunities to crap, if you could follow that allegory. No, 2023 really takes the cake as a year for Disney productions failing to rise very far above good, and more often than not being painfully mediocre or absolutely terrible. 2023 was the year of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, The Marvels, Secret Invasion, The Mandalorian Season 3, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Peter Pan and Wendy, The Live Action Little Mermaid, Haunted Mansion, and Wish. With another mediocre animated wimpy kid movie as the cherry on top right at the end. I mean, yeah, there was some content in there that was probably just okay, like Loki's second season and Ahsoka, but that stuff failed to generate any meaningful attention. It says something that the only thing they put out that I even sort of liked, other than Guardians 3 and Elemental, was Once Upon a Studio. The sort of a little Night at the Museum style short Disney put out on the official date of the studio's 100th anniversary. I thought it was cute, charming, and respectful of all of the various Disney animations, IPs including some real blink-and-you'll-miss-it deep cuts like Prep and Landing and Chicken Little. It's worth wondering if Disney should throw in the towel on this whole film and TV thing and start doing cruises and theme parks full-time. I'm only half-joking. The Disney company was started by two brothers chasing one of their dreams. Walt Disney was a genuine visionary with the grit, passion, and fun-loving attitude that the company needed to make it far. And for all the hate he gets, Michael Eisner, the CEO of Disney from the 80s to the mid-2000s, was in charge during a time in which Disney was still willing to have fun and take risks. Expanding Walt Disney World with Hollywood Studios, MGM Studios at the time, and the Animal Kingdom, overseeing some of the greatest animated movies ever made, full stop, founding the Disney Cruise Line, and even making time for some pet projects like Walt Disney's pipe dream of a Disney-funded planned community in Celebration, Florida. Bob Iger's tenure as CEO simply consisted of buying competition and allowing executives from Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel to churn out great products, while starting a confusing and disrespectful train of crappy live-action remakes and occasionally producing animated movies worth caring about. But the magic is run out. Marvel, Lucasfilm, Disney Animated Studios, even Pixar seem caught in a rut, unable or maybe even unwilling to tell the same impactful stories that raised a generation. That has all culminated in what I believe is the worst year for Disney. You just listened to another episode of Geeks Crossing. Did you like any Disney products from this year? What was your least favorite? Let me know in our Discord server or DM me on the Geeks Crossing Instagram page. Links are in the description of this episode as always. Please continue to support us wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platforms. Be sure to tell your friends and family about us, especially any Disney fans or ex-fans in your life. And if you really can't get enough of us geeks, support the others on Twitch. Keith at Nuclear Bacons, Nick at CryptoLock Gaming, and Eric at Eman the Legendary, which is also the name of his YouTube channel where you can watch more concise clips of his streams. Our favorite six-member Tyler is also on Twitch at CarrotBite Gaming. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt, and here's to hoping Disney admits it has a problem, because that's the first step to recovery. Mm-hmm.